And now, ladies and gentlemen, LB and Clark's Top 10 and a Half. All right. Yay. Yeah, I love that. That is one of my favorite jingles that we have. Uh, and we're back. Uh, we're going to do some Top 10 and a Half. So uh, this is uh, li- yeah. uh, different subjects. It's our top 10 and a half right. blank. Last time we had a question about how do I choose what to watch during the quarantine right. when everything's binge, available. Binge watching. So we put together our top 10 and a half bingey binges. Yeah. Of just all of that was podcasts and movies and TV. I don't know if there are movies. Anyway, there no, were. There were movies. Yeah. Trey Parker um, movies. Hold on. Let me go listen to that episode real quick. <laughs> so I don't give you any misinformation. <laughs> this time, Clark actually came up with this idea which is we are going to give you our top 10 episodes 10 and a half oh oh 10 and a half (laughs) that's right that's what makes ours different yeah we're special our top 10 and a half favorite tv episodes right i'm thinking this is these are the shows you're you've been stuck in the house for a year. You don't have know what to do anymore. You're not in the mood to watch an entire series. You just want to have a quick little 30 minute hour long, maybe even two hour long bit of entertainment that you just know is going to be fun. You don't have to search for what's the best episode. What's the worst episode. These are 100% guaranteed by LB and Clark to be fun episodes that you'll enjoy. I, some of mine aren't that fun. Well, fun not funny yes okay good right good good, but good fun episodes to watch that really even the more serious episodes that you picked uh have really they're very influential yes 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 right they were very uh good to watch regardless yeah and these aren't we're not saying these are the best shows of all time right. these are the best episodes these are shows that we loved and something about an episode just stuck in our brains. Yeah, exactly. And I thought, you know, this would be fun to give. And if people really liked this list or if people responded to it, we could probably come up with another couple of these lists just oh. because we have such a wide uh, uh, knowledge of TV. Yeah. The you know? proper way to say it is we have wasted a significant portion of our lives. Yeah, there's that too. Watching television. Uh, all right, let's start. <laughs> okay, let's but, start. I think you're up first. All right. Oh, am I up first? Yes. Number one, we're starting out with my, one of my favorite, this was actually really, really fun. So South Park, I love oh, South Park, yeah. Trey Parker and Matt Stone. I love them. They uh, were really successful with the show, with mm-hmm. South Park. Uh, so, so much, in fact, that right around 2000, a little before, uh, they were asked to do a movie. And they did a full South Park Was movie. Was that Bigger, Longer, and Uncut? Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. I love that movie. Such a good movie. If you haven't watched that, it's really worth it. It's really fun. But they finished that. They thought they had a good time, from what I've heard, making the movie. Uh, and there was a couple of seasons later in the show, and they wanted to come up, they wanted to do a sequel, but they didn't have the time to make a movie because they were too busy working on the actual show. Yeah. So I think Trey Parker said, why why don't we just write a movie and we can split it up into 30 minute segments and make it a you know three TV episodes show. yeah we just make them episodes of our show uh and that turned into imagination land yeah and imagination land is just some of the most amazing comedy it's spoofing it it's like every character that you can ever think of rainbow bright strawberry shortcake <laughs> et mickey mouse any care any any 
fictional character you can think of is in this show where the kids are taken to imagination land. And it's kind of this crazy alternate reality where all of the characters that have been created by us exist and live. Yeah. And it's, you know, the lion from Lion, the Witch in the Wardrobe. That's what I remember Tron from it. And Superman. It's just all these fictional characters living together in this one world. And it's just so fucking creative. I remember it. There was a, within the last two or three years, yeah. I watched all of South Park. I binged all of South Park from episode one through season 16 or something. It was oh, wherever, yeah. wherever it was at that point. Sure. I had, I was up to date. Okay. And I, so I took a lot in over a short period oh, of time, yeah. but, um, but I do remember that, but I remember Aslan from the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe yes. most. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, I don't know about you. I personally, I always kind of gravitate towards Butters in that show. I love and Butters. And Butters is like the secret hero of Aww. South Park and especially Imagination Land. He's like the user. Yeah. He's the one <laughs> character that the imagina imagination, what am I trying to say? The imaginary characters yes. that are surrounding him turn to him as if he's going to be able to like create more characters all around him. But I do like that we've just uh, invented imaginational imaginational which is like imagine and educational together that's exactly right so i like that all right that's that is good. a great first choice thank you my next one is gonna be great for everyone over 40 <laughs> um and clark has some older shows too but yeah. my my favorite show of all time is moonlighting yes Bruce moonlighting Willis. is off awesome i almost said awful it's awful <laughs> it's my favorite one it was where the world got to know who bruce willis was yep and the world got to enjoy Sybil Shepherd. That's right. Because she was already a thing. Right. But wasn't she known for doing uh, some naked movie, right? She. I thought no, she, she was. Are you thinking of the Blue Lagoon? I was thinking of like, I don't know, nine and a half weeks or something. No, wasn't that's she Kim in, Basinger. Oh, she was in I'm the last picture show. Oh, that's she was right. An act, she was an actress. She was a model. Right. And then she was also in the last picture show. She had done some um, acting. But this was, I think, her first kind of starring role. And right. she's also in the movie Chances Are, which I really love, oh. where Robert Downey Jr. plays the reincarnation of her husband that got hit by a car. <laughs> okay. I love that movie. Right. Anyway, it doesn't anyway. matter. Um, so Moonlighting, it's there's a detective agency. Sybil Shepard owns it. She's a little uppity. <laughs> um, she's not a Karen, but she's right. like, Meow. right. And right. then, you know, Bruce Willis just like, pops off the screen he's just singing and rhyming and just a, a real cat and yeah. really funny but smart it really was like oh my god who's this guy yeah so it was very fun show very funny but also they were solving you know they were detective agencies right. so there was like some drama and some darkness right. and Murder intrigue. Mysteries. exactly and the relationship between the two of them was just like they hated each other they were always sniping they were this <laughs> and that but they were best friends and it was like the ultimate will they won't they will they right, won't they right and when they willed it was just like super electrically charged it's yeah. an episode called uh i am curious maddie okay and I am curious, dot, 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 Maddie. Okay. And I- um, That was Sybil Shepard's character was Maddie. Yeah, was her Madison. name was- Yes. Madison. Matt or Matt, 
Yeah, I guess it was. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it was Madison. Uh, this is my favorite show. I have no <laughs> idea. But it was um, just so exciting when yeah. they finally hooked up. And then, predictably, less exciting after. <laughs> yes. So, But I just remember, and I was young. Yeah. I mean, Moonlighting's on in the 80s. I was maybe 11 or 12. That's right. I wasn't the key demographic for Moonlighting, but I just loved it. Bruce Willis was so funny. Yeah. And... Um, it was just great. So that's my one of the ones that's always stuck out in my head. Yay. I love uh, Moonlighting. Moonlighting is really fun. I also have an older uh, submission for this yes. as well. Uh, and that is from the Dick Van Dyke Show. You I, love Dick Van Dyke. I, I do. I love the Dick Van Dyke Show. I used to grow up. When I grew up, uh, my dad would put on the Dick Van Dyke show every day while we were eating dinner. He would have, you know, seven or eight VHS tapes that he recorded. Just <laughs> I thought you were going to say seven or eight TVs. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, we had tons of these VHS tapes that he just ripped uh, episodes off oh. of, you know, Nick at Night or something. And we would just watch constantly Dick Van Dyke show. Um, but it's also really revel relevant right now. Because of WandaVision. Ah. WandaVision is the biggest thing right now. Everyone's loving WandaVision. And the first episode, they did just a, a, just a spectacular tone spoof of the Dick Van Dyke show. It really wasn't. It was more spoofing Bewitched or I Dream of Genie, where you have the witch that's kind of hiding in the suburban yeah. area. But the tone of the show, the feel of the show, the look of the show was all Dick Van Dyke. It was so fun to watch knowing Dick Van Dyke so well. Um, and I thought this would be a good time to maybe throw out there. If you've never watched an episode of Dick Van Dyke, I think they're all on Hulu right now. Yeah. And you can go and watch one. This is a fun episode to watch. The episode that was in WandaVision the other day uh, was all about the walnuts. That one is a really fun episode and it's a good one to watch, especially if you're watching WandaVision. Um, but the episode that I picked is actually called Uni Ufts. Okay. And Uni Ufts was such a fun episode where Rob, I don't know if uh, if you don't, if the listeners out there have never seen the, ep the show before, Dick Van Dyke plays Rob Petrie, who is the head writer of a comedy show. And his other two writers, Maury Amsterdam and Rosemary, they've left for the night. He's the only one in his in this uh, uh, office office building. And he starts hearing things. OK. And he looks out and he sees something in the sky. And here I have a little clip I'm going to play you just because it's a really funny audio. So he goes back to typing the script. And then he hears bunny oofs. I didn't hear that. <laughs> I didn't hear that either. I heard that. It's so creepy how far away it is. Yeah, right? Okay, now I'm wide awake. I'm not asleep. Okay, I'm too wide awake. <laughs> So anyway, we're leading up to this big reveal at the end, and I won't spoil it. It's a fun episode. It's a quick little 20, 30-minute uh, sitcom, and it's just a perfect example of how fun and sweet and innocent The Dick Van Dyke Show was. Aww. I knew Clark would have a couple older selections yeah, than I would. So yeah. my next one is an episode of Family Guy. Oh, there you go. I like Family There's Guy. This is the episode called Brian and Stewie. Yep. Uh, it is 
the, I'm assuming everyone's seen it. Instead of saying it's an episode, it's the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where uh, Brian and Stewie go to the bank to check Brian's P.O. box and they get locked in there overnight. Yep. It turns, it, there's funny stuff. It turns out to be a very deep, uh, dramatic, thoughtful episode. Yeah. I won't get into why, but it's really <laughs> something. And I just remember watching it and being being so just, you know, taken by it mm-hmm. and so like wrapped up in right. it. Enthralled. Yeah. And going, wow, that was different. That was a very special family yeah. guy. And when I realized afterwards, I go, why do I feel so different? There were no cutaways. Huh. And every once in a while this happens where I'm watching something and you just really hope whatever the episode is, you're like really into and you're like, I hope they don't play the theme song at the end. Oh, that it just goes to those silent yeah, credits. Yeah, yeah, And that's what happened on this one. Oh, interesting. And it really did. The fact that there were no cutaways is something I had to work to figure yeah, out. Yeah, I never noticed that. Because it was such a different experience. Yeah. So, Family Guy, Brian and Stewie, look it up. That's awesome. Okay, uh, my next uh, choice is actually... Uh, a TV show from the 70s called Faulty Towers. Uh, it might be early 80s, but uh, this was John Cleese after he finished, uh, after he left Monty Python. I mean, you never really leave Monty <laughs> Python, but once the show ended, he it's was- like the Yakuza. Yeah, exactly. He uh, he went off to do an, another show, and that show was a 30-minute sitcom that took place in a hotel. It was like a bed and breakfast. Okay. And he was the, he and his wife were the owners slash, you know, the run, they ran the proprietors of this bed and breakfast that uh, it was in Tolkien, uh, England. Yes. And they, it is so funny. His wife is in it too. His wife uh, actually plays the maid. In the show. Oh, his real life wife? His real life wife. Oh. And the co-creator of the show. Oh, gotcha, Smacha. Uh, but uh, the rest of the show is just hilarious. But there's one episode called Communication Problems. And if you really want to try out Faulty Towers, you go for Communication Problems because this episode is so funny. It's one thing. John Cleese is so good at being an asshole. Yeah. He's always been that guy that loves playing horrible assholes and you like watching him play these horrible assholes but it's so hilarious watching him that character come up against this older lady that just is so privileged and so uh uh filled with hate and 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 she just despises anyone who comes around her and nothing is ever right enough for her and it's just a horrible human being and to watch him play off of that Uh is so fun it's really fun and it's really funny and it's a fantastic uh taste of faulty towers if you wanted one excellent what's next up for me oh family ties we mentioned family ties a couple weeks ago yeah just came up kind of randomly we're big family ties fans yeah it's the it's the underlying it's the underlying current of this entire podcast Oh, bet you've been together for a million years. I That's know. us. Shalalala. <laughs> uh, Family Ties is a sitcom from the 80s. It was really great. It's not like a wonk, 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 wonk sitcom. Right. It was fairly realistic. Yeah. Hippie parents raising teenage kids. Yep. Um, Michael J. Fox was kind of the breakout star right. of it. And that was the that was the 
the show was that they were hippie parents had these teenage kids, but the, the eldest teenage kid was super conservative yeah, Republican. He loved Ronald Reagan yeah. and he was just like super, you know, conservative Republican. Exactly. Exactly. And Michael D. Fox is an actor that always stuck out in my mind because of family ties. Mm. His character was so well drawn. I mean, they all were, yeah. but he he in particular, I just remember, would get setups for jokes, you know, like his sister would say something and, you know, he's going to come back with like a zinger, but he would just stop for a second and the audience would be laughing because they knew it was coming about what they knew he was going to say. <laughs> right. And I just I was always really as a as an aspiring actor, I was like, that's so awesome. He conveys it so much yeah. that he's getting the laugh before he even says anything. Yeah. So it was a funny show. It was a heartfelt show, but there was a very special episode. It's actually a two-parter called oh. A My Name is Alex. Nice. Very deep. It has to deal with it deals with um the death of a friend of his mm. in a car crash. In the show. In the show. In yes, the show. sir. In the show. And how that affects everybody and how it affects him. There's a second part of it that he's talking to a therapist. You don't see the therapist. It's really just him talking to the camera, which you've got to think that this is a multi-camera sitcom. Right. Imagine if you were watching Seinfeld and then all of a sudden it was a 30 minute monologue. Right. Right. But that was kind of serious. Right. Um, God, I was just picturing like, George doing a serious 30 minute, you know, like, exactly. oh, George Costanza. Hey, <laughs> my name is George. Here's Dr. Hibbert for 30 minutes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it was very, you know, you could hear a pin drop. It was very, mm. it really was a very special episode. I remember the ads for it, making it seem like, you know, saying like, this is different. Yeah. And it's really stuck with me. Like, I think every, every once in a while, I just think, Hey, my name is Alex, which oh, is the title of it. That's so interesting. Uh, uh, all right, let's move on. Um, my next one is a really fun show. It didn't last for very long. It was only on for like six or seven episodes. And actually this was the fourth episode, but they aired it first because it was so damn good. Um, so the show is actually Clerks based on the Kevin Smith show uh, movie. This was an animated uh, show called Clerks with the same characters as Jay and Silent Bob and Randall and Dante. Um, but it's really wackier, crazier, funnier than Clerks was. So uh, there's one episode, and I love the title of this episode because it's uh, the title of the episode is A Dissertation on the American Justice System by People Who Have Never Been Inside a Courtroom, let alone, let alone Know Anything About the Law, But Have Seen Way Too Many Legal Dramas. That's the title? That's the title of the episode. <laughs> so look for that episode. And then it's just a really, really funny episode where Jay slips and falls in the quick stop and then he tries to sue Quick Stop, which is the little convenience store that Dante runs. And he tries to sue the, the Quick Stop. And right at the end, I, I, I don't want to spoil anything, but things go crazy. And it turns into like this weird anime fever dream. It's just <laughs> really fun to watch and very nonsensical and non sequitur and fun. Excellent. That does, I've never seen that. It's really good. I might have you to really check like it out. Um, my next one is King of the Hill. Yes. King, I, I really sat down and tried very hard to say, okay, LB, 
all five of yours can't be animated shows. <laughs> yeah, I know. That was hard for me. That though. was hard for Clark, too. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. my next is King of the Hill, which is a great, great show. In fact, when it was on, there would definitely, like, I'd say once a year, I would, this is a true story, think like, I want to go to Arlen, Texas and meet them. Mm. And then I would remember they were not real at right, all right. and I would be sad. <laughs> that happened more than once, not while I was high. So the the um, episode I've chosen is called Bill of Sales. And it is, you know, it's kind of a random episode, but there's two things in it that stick out to me that I say all, the, like all the time I hear them in my head. Okay. And this episode is Peggy, Peggy Hill gets involved in a pyramid scheme selling like nutritional products. Right. She gets them home and they open the box and they're like, oh, nutrition shakes this. And there's all these bars and she's talking about it and how great it's going to be and how great she is. And Bobby Hill, the son, takes a bite of one of the bars and he goes, this doesn't taste like raspberry truffle at all. And Peggy says, well, honey, you must be eating it wrong. Which I say that all the time. You must be eating it wrong. So, but that's not even my favorite thing. My favorite line comes later, later in the episode. And it really sums up uh, Hank Hill's character mm. to me, who is so sweet, understanding, intuitive, intellectual, mm. and also a repressed middle-aged man from Texas. Right. Who was raised by, you know, a war veteran who didn't care Lo for emotions. Lost, lost the lower half of his legs. Exactly. They yeah. took my shins. <laughs> so uh, Clark's going to play a little... Um, <laughs> this is Peggy sells a lot. They, she takes Bill, a friend of, uh, of Hank's, yeah. who's good at selling stuff, and they go to San Antonio for this pyramid scheme get-together. <laughs> and this is them coming home. You must have confused him. Being dumped on is all Bill knows. First there was that childhood of his, then he joined the army, and then married that backbreaker, Lenore. Ah, uh, well... I'm going to go oil the bearings in your suitcase wheels. San Antonio dust contains a lot of silica. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I watch that episode, I always go back and listen to that twice. <laughs> San Antonio dust contains a lot of silica. It's so specific. He knows how to keep things in order, which is to oil the wheels of the suitcase. Right. He's just been talking about emotional stuff. That line stuck. I mean, I don't know what year that was. What? Oh, 90 something. Yeah, absolutely. 97, 90, late 90s, late 90s. It just is in my head all the time. Just one of those. It's like we said, these aren't the best ones. Right, these aren't right. the Emmy winning ones. Right. These are the ones that just are with us. Yeah. So that is mine. Bill of sales and make sure to oil the ball bearings on your suitcase. If you come <laughs> home from San, uh, from Santa Monica, from yeah. San Antonio. There you go. <laughs> All right. Good, good, good. All right. Uh, moving on to one of mine. I have picked one from Futurama. I love Futurama. A personal favorite of both of ours. Um, again, though, this is kind of dipping into the non-humorous category. Mm. As funny as Futurama is, it can be hilarious at times. But the episode Luck of the Fryrish is funny. It is. It has very funny moments. However, it is one of the most sweetest episodes of television I've ever seen in my life. The, the ending of this show brings me to tears. Mm. It's so 
incredibly sweet. And this is coming from somebody who is a single child. I never had a brother. The, the, this is an episode where, uh, Fry who is, you know, thrown in a thousand years into the future, uh, suddenly finds out that his brother from his original timeline back in 1999, uh, actually ended up doing something with his life. And he thought that he, he took Fry's name and, and he sees that he had a, a seven leaf clover and Fry gets furious because that was his seven leaf clover. And it was supposed to give him all this extra luck. And, uh, Fry ended up getting stuck in the year 3000 or yeah, 3000 yeah, 3, and, uh, his brother, you know, lived his regular life and died. Uh, anyway, the ending is just so amazingly sweet and heart felt and touching. It was just, I had to throw it in here because I just love, I, anytime that episode is on, I will watch it. Yeah. And at the time, I mean, there've been sitcoms and stuff that, you know, take that route of like oh this is more serious and not necessarily sappy right and then the simpsons which came before futurama as yep. you know yep. um did have absolute notes of just heartfelt love and family and that you know that underlying vibe of yeah it's wacky and it's crazy and it's a cartoon but right. you're feeling this right when futurama did these episodes that were really emotional it was a marked departure yeah you didn't expect this kind of depth and this kind of emotion yeah. to come through which is i think why they're doubly affecting yeah and a doubly is amazing yes i love it All okay right. next Which, your number 10 my number 10 is an episode of roseanne oh okay. now for everyone who's less than 95 years old, <laughs> I'm talking about the original Roseanne yeah. that was on in the 90s. The 90s. Yes. And um, late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And um, yes, Roseanne Barr might be a bit of a fruitcake to many of us right now. <laughs> but back in the day, it was yeah. this big phenomenon yeah. of like this working class, middle class white family well, lower class white family oh, yeah, yeah 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 so that's what i meant yeah um and the episode that has always stuck with me is called brain dead poet society hmm. and it's i found out today during my research that it was written by joss whedon oh how cool yeah that's, awesome. that's pretty cool i know so this episode and i tried to look for like actual synopsis so i would know but yeah, from, yeah. from what i remember Darlene had to write, Darlene is the daughter, right. Rosanna's the mother, right. there's other kids in Sarah, blah, blah, blah. Sarah Gilbert. Sarah Gilbert. Yeah. She has to write a poem for school. Roseanne has been a writer, but she hasn't done that because she's had kids and gotten married and stuff. Mm. And I think I remember her showing Darlene some of her writing. Hmm. And then it was... Darlene had to write something for school. The teacher really liked it. She was supposed to perform it at the assembly. Mm. And she was like, no, I don't want to go. I don't want you there. She said to her mom, they have a big fight about it in the kitchen. And knowing what sitcoms are like, I was like, oh, she took one of her mom's poems right. and turned it in as her own. And right. she's going to get in trouble. And then it it ends up they go to the assembly and yeah. Darlene gets up and reads her poem. And it's not that sitcommy thing that she has, you know, stolen the poem and she's going to get in trouble. Right. It's that she wrote a poem that was very deep and deeply personal. Hmm. 
and she was embarrassed about it. And I'm going to read that poem Oh, you have now. the poem yes. here? Yes. It's called, To Whom It Concerns. To whom it concerns, Darlene's work will be late. It fell on her pancakes and stuck to her plate. To whom it concerns, my mom made me write this, but I'm just a kid, so how could I fight this? To whom it concerns, I lost my assignment. Maybe I'll get lucky, solitary confinement. To whom it concerns, Darlene's great with a ball, but guys don't watch tomboys when they're cruising the hall. To whom it concerns, I just turned 13. Too short to be quarterback, too plain to be queen. To whom it concerns, I am not made of steel. When I get blindsided, my pain is quite real. I don't mean to squawk, but it just really burns. I just thought I'd mention it to whom it concerns. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's and, amazing. And this is like a tomboy character yeah. and she's gruff and, and kind of wisecracking. She's a lot more like Roseanne. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, they just have her read this really you get to see that there's like this deep side to her and she's vulnerable well what season was this do you know this was season two episode okay. 10 okay so that's an entire full first season and the first half of the second season where this character has been nothing Thing but snarky. Yeah. Nothing. We never get much of an emotion from her other than snarkiness or bored or depressed. Like she, her character was was kind of set in stone by yeah. this point. And it wasn't somebody that had a very deep emotional rich background yeah and then she you know she hits us with this wow and the end and of course i'm still to the very last second thinking it's gonna be like how is she gonna get punished for stealing the poem right but it doesn't and then after the uh episode just ends with roseanne and and laurie metcalf who played her sister just yeah. kind of like grabbing for tissues because they're crying mm. Because they weren't expecting that. Yeah. So that's always really, really stuck out, um, especially too short to be quarterback, too plain to be queen. Because mm. it's just, it's very poignant and it's very, but it's not like, I'm the poet of the universe. Right. It sounds like it's written by a 13 year old. Yeah. Maybe Joss Whedon. But it was Whedon. written by Joss Whedon. <laughs> Maybe it was written by Joss Whedon in his diary when he was 13. <laughs> and he dug it out. Possible. So anyway, okay, that's the end of our 10. Yeah, so now we can move on to the last half. 10 and a half you get. So here's the half. It's something that Clark and I both love. Yeah. Mystery Science Theater 3000, Yay. but we disagree on our favorite episodes. That's right. So do you want to go first? You want me to go first? You go first. All right. So my episode is called Pod People. It's so good. It's so good. And it's so <laughs> bad. It's basically an E.T. ripoff uh, done somewhere in Europe somewhere. Yeah. It's It's a foreign movie, but... Nobody can really tell what country it's from. Yeah, it's, no, it's really foreign. weird they are and foreign. Foreign, exactly. They're all white. Yes. They're all very white, but it's very foreign. But there's one part in it that I cannot stop laughing at. Every time I see it, I go nuts. Uh, there's a song. One of the main characters is a singer <laughs> and he's recording this song in the, in the movie. And it's so horrible that they decide to mock it in the, in the live action bits in between. Uh, and it sounds like this. You don't understand any lyrics. They're kind of just random words thrown together. And, 
Texas row. Bees on Bees pie. On pie. And then at the very end, this was a joke from the movie oh, where they ask the guy, yeah. oh, how do, what, do you, what think? do you think? And he turns and he says, it stinks. Exactly. So the, the thing was, it was such a funny moment. I loved that moment so much, but I thought it was so personal. But then Mystery Science Theater started touring live <laughs> in person. And I went to one of the live tour shows and at the show, they had one of the foam hands, like the number one hand, oh. but it's the okay symbol, which is what Joel just does. And it just says, it stinks, Mystery Science <laughs> Theater 3000. I am looking at this foam hand right I now. It's awesome. Yeah, I purchased this foam hand because it was so amazing. And it was a single joke from one episode of the show that was good enough to make Merch of merchandise. About. Excellent. So, what is your last one? Well, I just also want to say that within this strange pod people episode, yeah, it, it centers around a little alien named Trumpy. That's right, Trumpy Dumpy. And Trumpy is quite Alf esque. Yes, very much. It's as if somebody like took the Alf puppet and they said, "All right, make it so that it's copyright free." And they changed like 15% of it. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. Pod people was first. That's true. That's true. Pod That's people what was I first. Up. But the, for them to, for the audience to understand. Yes, yes. He kind of looks like a 15% different Alf. Yes, exactly. Or is Alf a 15% different him? That's true. It's a different Trumpy. So, yeah. And when I looked it up, of course, I put in Trumpy. And nowadays I just brought up Trumpy the bear. Hey, yeah, exactly. I had to dig a little deeper. So, my. We decided on Mystery Science Theater for our half. Yeah. And then and then I'm like, oh. And as soon as Clark picks his, I'm like, nope, time of the apes. Yeah, time, time of the apes. Time of the ape. I mean, so many of them are so good and stuck so directly good. into my heart. Um, oh. but time of the apes is basically a planet of the apes ripoff. I don't care. It's super, yeah, it's super cheesy. Yeah. It is um Japanese, I think. Yeah, Japanese with sci-fi. Subtitles. Yeah. It's it's I think the same studio that did a lot of the Gamera and yeah. the Godzilla movies, so that kind of stuff. It's just really funny and cheesy and cheesier by far because of like the grown woman doing the voice of the small boy yeah. whose name is Tommy. And at some point during it, somebody says like, Tommy, you'll be late for school. And he goes, I don't care. I don't care. And then the whole rest of the time it just comes up. I don't care. I don't care. And then they do a live action bit like, why doesn't Tommy care? <laughs> it's this whole thing. And that's what I loved about MST3K was like, they would take the littlest thing yeah. and just make it into a household name. Yeah. Um, so well, much my fun. household. But... <laughs> Our households, for sure. So that is, we're split. That's the half yep. is that we both love MST3K, but we're split on the episode. And thank you for this was this 80 minutes? Yeah, this, this is a long segment. But anyway, I hope you have some good recommendations out there so you can enjoy some television. This has been another segment of LB and Clark's Top 10 and a half.
Bad Advice stars Lori Beth Denberg and Clark Crozier. The show is produced by me, Jeremy Balin, and part of the Seltzer Kings Network. Our theme song is written and performed by Natty Ward. If you or someone you love is in need of some bad advice, you can submit your own question on our socials, all of which are Ask Lori Beth, or on our website at AskLoriBeth.com, or for a nostalgic twist, you can call 1-855-DENBERG. That's right, 1-855-336-2374, and leave your question there. Thanks for listening.